So I'm really excited to share with you today. We're in the final week of our Divine Legacy series where we're understanding that God wants to partner with us to leave, to help us leave a divine legacy. In the first week, Pastor Grace talked about God's calling on our lives, that we are to pour our lives into others as her Mimaw did for her. And then in the second week, Pastor Alex talked about the importance of seeing God's activity and then remembering that as families, building altars to just be reminded of God's faithfulness. And then last week, he challenged us to talk to Jesus and to listen to Jesus and to talk to each other about Jesus. And today we're, we're talking about the direction that God wants us to go. We've been in the book of Deuteronomy in this series. So today I'm going to look at the farewell address of Moses. So Moses is not going in the promised land with the people. He's 120 years old. His days of leading the people are over. He's handing the baton to Joshua. And so he gathers all the people for a kind of one final challenge to them. And it's two chapters, and we're not going to read all of the chapters. We're just going to look at five verses at the end of his challenge. And what he does is very simple. He says, you can choose this and all that goes with it, or you can choose that and all that goes with that. How many of you are familiar with the game show, Let's Make a Deal? Can I see your hands? Uh, That's... I see some teenagers that are going, what? Google it later, you can, you can figure it out. Anyway, the original host is Monty Hall. <clears throat> and at the end of the show, he would have the big deal and the final contestant would be shown what's behind curtain number one. And then he would say, you can have that or you can have what's behind curtain number two. And so Moses, is sort of playing Monty Hall in our scripture that we're reading together. So let's stand together. It's uh, Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. Let's stand in honor of God's word as we read. See, I set before you today a life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed you will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can have a seat. 
So let's look at these two choices that Moses sets before them, and let's first of all see what's behind curtain number two. That's found in verses 17 and 18. Let's read them one more time. He says, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So this is the choice of disobedience, of turning to other idols and worshiping them. Now, we don't have physical idols today, but we definitely have idols, things that draw our attention away from obeying God. Probably in our culture, the biggest idol is money and the things that money can buy, materialism. Or maybe the idol of seeking to gain the approval and applause of others. That's been a big one for me. Maybe drugs and alcohol to escape our pain, or illicit sex, or entertainment, or food, and the list can go on and on and on. But the bottom line behind all of that is we want control. We want to be the CEO of our lives. And when we ignore God and say, no thanks, I'll have it my way, things don't work out well for us. Verse 18, in our text we just read, said if you make that choice, you will certainly be destroyed. Now, talking about the consequences of sin is not pleasant. It's not a popular thing. But I will say this, whether we talk about it or not doesn't make it any less real. And at this point, I want to say, in case you've got the idea that God is some kind of vindictive, angry, authority figure that loves to dole out punishment, that is exactly the opposite picture of the true God. God is love. That's his nature. But he does not force his way on us. And when we reject him and we go our own way, he says, okay, have it your way. And we suffer the consequences. So Moses is pleading with them not to make that choice. And I believe the Holy Spirit today is saying the same thing to us. Please, don't go down that road. I love you. I want to be with you. I don't want you to separate yourself from me in this life and certainly in the next. So now that we've talked about the bad news, let's look at what's behind curtain number one. You find this in verses 15 and 16 and the end of 19 and 20. See, I set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. 
listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob so Moses says if you choose to love God to obey him to walk with him to commit to follow him you will have life you will have prosperity you will be blessed and not only you but your children will come to know me and hear my voice and hold fast to me awesome what a great promise that is now this equation this logic is very common in scripture obey God experience the rewards disobey God you'll experience punishment this logic is very common especially in the Old Testament so I want to give you a little lesson in biblical hermeneutics how's that for a big word hermeneutics what that is is that's the study of how to interpret Scripture and one of the lessons of biblical hermeneutics is that we should interpret a, a passage of Scripture in light of the whole message of the Bible. We need to take it in context. And the reason I bring that up is because even though this equation that I talk about is true, generally there is a disclaimer in the Bible. One of the books of the Old Testament sort of gives us the other side of that coin. Does anybody have a guess of what that book of the Bible is? Job. Good job. Is that Clarice? Well done. Give Clarice a hand. Nice. Yeah, Job. Job is, he lived perfectly. He did everything right, but still he suffered. He lost everything. His possessions, his family, his health. And then in the New Testament, Jesus makes it clear to us, you will have trouble sometimes. In fact, in one of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, you will per be persecuted because of your obedience to me. So, while it is generally true that if we obey God, we will be blessed, we will have prosperity, and if we don't, we'll experience punishment there that's not a you know an absolute truth there are exceptions to that and while we're talking about biblical hermeneutics let me give you another principle and that is we should interpret the Old Testament in light of the New Testament and I think that's important in this particular text because if you look at this Old Testament test text it is very simple isn't it I mean, Moses gives us a choice. Obey God or reject God and experience the rewards or the consequences. And it's equally obvious what the right answer is, right? If I went person by person and said, what's the right answer for you? I think every person here would say, well, the right answer is to choose God, to obey God. So... Make that choice. We're done. Let's go to lunch. But as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friends. Because 
In the New Testament, Paul, in the book of Romans, gives us some additional interpretation that will inform how we understand this passage. In Romans chapter 2, 3, and 7, Paul says, even though we may want to make the right choice, we can't. We don't have the moral power to do it. He hammers that home in those three chapters. And we see that in the Old Testament. Over and over, the people covenant to obey God, but what do they do? They go back to idols and end up in exile. And it's true for us. How many of us have said, okay, enough, I'm going to quit doing whatever? And do we stop? Maybe for a little while, but we inevitably fall back into those old patterns. But there's good news, great news. And Paul announces this good news in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. And I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message. So I want you to take in this good news. But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. In the God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. Wow. Is that good news? Wow. So yes, the choice that Moses asked us to make is not a choice that we can make in and of our own strength. But what was impossible is now possible through Jesus, through his forgiveness, his blood shed for us, and through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us and guides us and empowers us to actually live out the life that Moses asked us to live. 
You can choose life through his enablement. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. So in a moment, we're going to take communion. This, is a, this sacrament is a holy moment for us. Because when you eat that wafer and drink that juice, they're symbols of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, which makes all of this possible. So God is offering you a gift of his life, of life in him, the opportunity for you to respond to him and receive all that he wants to give you to help you leave the legacy that you want to live. I don't know where you are today. Maybe there's somebody here today or watching online that would say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to tell you that can change. That can change today. If you will respond in repentance and faith, Jesus will forgive you and adopt you and indwell you today. So you're going to have that opportunity in just a few minutes. And for those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, this is a tremendous opportunity for us to reaffirm our commitment to him, our desire that he be the CEO of our lives. But before we do that, I want you to hear a story, powerful story of the consequences of choosing life over death. David Busick is one of the six general superintendents of the Church of the Nazarene. And what that means is we have six global leaders. And he's one of those six. And on Sunday night, two weeks ago, he preached at the Nazarene General Assembly. And uh, for those that don't know what that is, that's a once every four year gathering of Nazarenes all over the world. And I was there. I know some of you were there as well. And I heard this story in person. And I thought, wow, you got to hear this. And so before we watch the video, I want to just set it up a little bit because at some point in time, he tells us that this person he's going to introduce us to was a Nazareth kind of person. So I want to just explain what he means by that because earlier in the message, he talked about where we got our name as a denomination, Church of the Nazarene. The very first Church of the Nazarene was a homeless mission in Los Angeles, California. And so they chose the name Church of the Nazarene because that word for Jesus identified him with the poor more than any other word. Jesus was, grew up in Nazareth, which is a very poor village. So Jesus knew what it was like to be poor. And he always had a special place in his heart for the poor and broken. Jesus, the Nazarene, always had time for the lost and the least of these. So, watch the video. 
the story of Bobby. Bobby was 10 years old when his father was tragically killed that left Bobby and his five little brothers and sisters homeless. When social services found Bobby and those, those little kids, they were living in a farmer's field, surviving by eating whatever was falling off the farm trucks. They were living in a haystack. And social services there in Nebraska, they took those five little kids and they put him in foster care all throughout the state. The other challenge for Bobby was that Bobby had polio when he was a little boy, and so it, he had physical impairments. He would talk with a little bit of, of a speech impediment. He, would, he was a little bit stooped over when he would walk. And, and so he had physical challenges, but Bobby also didn't have any stability at home. He wasn't a good student. He, he was flunking all of his classes. From the age of 10 to 18, he was in nine different foster care homes. No stability, no self-confidence. He was a Nazareth kid. He was falling through the cracks. He was completely forgotten. Until one day, there was a Nazarene family in a place called Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, who went to the foster care home and they said, we're here to get your hardest kid. We believe God has called us to foster care. We don't want your easy baby. We, we don't want the cute little two-year-old. We want the hardest kids you have that nobody else wants. And they said, we know exactly who that kid is, Bobby. At this point, Bobby's 17 years old. That Nazarene family received Bobby into their care. They began to love him and nurture him. And for the first time in his life, Bobby heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is what he heard. Jesus can transform your life. He can take all of your emptiness and all of your brokenness and everything about you that's been lost and forgotten, and he can make it all new. And Bobby said, if this is true, this is the best news that I've ever heard. Bobby surrendered his life to Jesus, and that little Nazarene church began to nurture him. Bobby met a young girl, a young woman in that church, and they fell in love, and they got married. And Bobby felt called to be a pastor. But there were no schools willing to take a guy who hadn't graduated from high school. He got letter after letter after letter that said, because of your physical impairments, because of your lack of education, we can't take you into our school. You can't be a preacher. And Bobby and his young wife began to say, what can we do for Jesus and for the church. We love this church. And they heard about a school. It's a school in Bethany, Oklahoma, at that time known as Bethany Nazarene College. And they heard that they needed somebody to work in the maintenance department. And Bobby said, I might not be able to be a preacher, but I can certainly fix stuff. And so Bobby moved with his young wife to Bethany, Oklahoma, and began a 22-year career working for Bethany Nazarene College. That was just Bobby's day job. You, you want to know what his real calling was? It was sharing the good news of Jesus. Everywhere he went, every person he touched, he was reaching people with the good news of Jesus. Bobby didn't have an education, but he had an intimacy with Jesus that was just compelling to the people around him. And one person after another came to Jesus through Bobby's life, through this, this what appeared to be a weak human person, how the power of God was being unleashed through Bobby's life. Until by the time that he passed away, when he died, he was only 50 years old.
And at Bobby's funeral, that Nazarene church was so full, they had people streaming out into the parking lot. It was standing room only in that church that day. And one by one, each person came by and they spoke to Bobby's family and they say, let me tell you what, what Bobby did. Bobby introduced me to Jesus. Bobby came to where I was. Bobby helped me to fall in love with, with the Lord. And the reason that story is so important to me is because Bobby was my dad. Bobby was my dad. And now you know why I love the Church of the Nazarene so much. Because Bobby was a Nazareth kid. He was as Nazareth as they come. And a Nazarene family said, give us your most lost, give us your most broken, give us the person who's the most desperate, and we're going to bring him into this family. And it changed the trajectory of our family forever. What a powerful story. So God wants to bless you and allow you to leave a legacy of blessing for generations to come. So I challenge you today, choose life. Choose Jesus. Choose to humble yourself before him and invite him to use you to live a life like that Nazarene couple in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. And like Bobby Busick, isn't it awesome to think that Jesus, through his sacrifice, can forgive us and transform us and use us to leave a legacy that will give our lives meaning and fulfillment and joy and will far outlive us. So that's what we celebrate today.